It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air in the left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas. With his first big league hit, it's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show on the beach today at the Rumfish Beach Resort on St. Pete Beach, to be exact. On deck on the program today, Jesus Aguilar and his new organization, Arrestes Destrada, on the week gone by. We'll look at catching defense with Coach Paul Hoover, discuss Hudson Valley with manager Blake Butera, plus look ahead with Todd Callis of the Astros and Anthony Castrovins of MLB.com. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and my feature guest this week is Juan Jesus Aguilar. And first of all, welcome to the Rays. Um, how much are you enjoying your new team? I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm part of this for a long time. You know, great guys, a lot of talents. Stuff's really good, so I feel like I've been here before. When you first got the news that you were coming here, how surprised were you? It was a lot. I was asleep. We, we, we was in Auckland, so we was like three hours behind. So my wife let me know we were trade. I was like, no, no way. I was in shock for like five minutes, and then I started to receive calls for. Brewer staff, DA, all that kind of stuff, and then I got a call from the DA here, and then from other guys, and it was like, I don't even know where I go, you know. So, so until I get here, I, I, I hear a lot of things. American guys work on me. I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm in the good organization. So, so let me do my job in the right way. And you had a lot of guys you knew here already, right? You knew Sogi, you knew yeah. uh, G-Man. How much does that help? Uh, a lot, a lot. Um, the, the best thing is like they know me too, so so it's gonna be like really more comfortable for me to get here and uh, a couple of people who like really know me, so that helped me a lot until I get here. The Latin guys like I know Garcia too a little bit, and then I kind of meet Willie and already all those guys like, all right, I'm gonna be all right here. You have a reputation for being such a, a good clubhouse guy. How much is this clubhouse similar to what you had in Milwaukee? How, how close are they? Um, it's really close. It's really close. They got like a lot of talents. They know what everybody has to do. So I just try to keep everybody positive. That's the most important thing here. Um, and the happened here. I don't. I don't gotta. I don't gotta do a lot of stuff here because they they, they wasn't the good in the good way in the good position to go. Um, how I said before, it's like this thing is like a family. So. I think that's why they winning games because they feel really comfortable with each other. So I think everybody can see it too. So I don't gotta do a lot of things here. Who taught you to be a good clubhouse guy? Who were your examples when you were coming up? Um, I kind of knew I through work Cabrera a little bit. I, I got the opportunity to talk with Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez. So 
So I just try to like, this game is, a, is already a negative game. So we got to stay positive all the time, no matter what. That's what I try to do. I try, I try to be behind every guy, like whatever happened, happen, we got to keep <coughs> moving forward. We got nothing to do. Just try to keep playing hard. That's the only thing we kind of can't control. Um, I try to make it simple. I think, that, I think that's why I see those guys doing that, doing that. So I just want to do it again. And, I mean, I always used to see you with Milwaukee, and you do it now. You have fun. You know where the cameras are in the dugout. You, sure. uh, when did that start? Uh, it started, like, 2018, last year. Um, I'm a good friend to Jose Ramirez, the television for the Cleveland Indians, so he kind of wore like that when he gets when he get angry. So I just tried to, like, do something something crazy and something like the people rec- recognize me, mm-hmm. like that's me. So I start to do those little things, so... I really like it. The people like it too. So when I got shanks, I try to do it. And it obviously keeps your club loose. It keeps guys loose. Who did yeah. you enjoy most playing with in in Milwaukee? Who were your close friends there? Arcia is one of the best, uh, one of my good friends over there. I got Perez too. Um, Guerra, one of the mm. pitchers. Yeah, we we talk, we talk during um, the game. Everything, everything. We just look. Guys. Um, we're gonna be alright, all kind of stuff. So. They are good friends. You obviously had your best year there. What what made that that year 2017 so special for you? 17 or 18? Uh, 18 rather. 18. 18. Um, I just got the opportunity to play every day. That was the most important thing for me. I was ready. I was waiting for the opportunity my whole career. So when I get the chance, like just try to enjoy the game, respect the game, the good way. Try to be fun with the good way too. So. I think that's why I got a lot of success last year. Um, the staff gave me the opportunity. Um, they believed in me. That was the most important thing, too. Those guys believed in myself. Um, I think that's why I got like, that great year last year. Was it hard before all that to be patient? And you must have a lot of patience to yeah. be able... Yeah, I grew, I grew up in the Cleveland organization, so I don't really play a lot in the, in the show for them, but... Um, they, that made me strong mentally. That was the most important thing for me. I, I spent three years in the in AAA doing my job in a good way, and nothing happened. So that made me strong mentally. I said, I mean, that's why I was waiting that the, um, that time. And, and that time was perfect. The, the time is God's perfect. So when that time come, I was ready for. I I do my job. I do I do my thing the good the good way. I'm, I'm having a really good year. Who in your family is really patient like you? Because it's important to have good examples when you grow up. My mom, my mom, wife, uh, family, family always be behind me. The time is perfect. Keep doing your job. Try to control whatever you can control. And that's it. Were you always a baseball player growing up? Did you always want to play ball growing up? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been playing for, uh, since I got five years old. So, so my dream was a fair big pro guy and then playing the show so when it was really close it's, it's like those little things gonna gonna make you better so uh, I wait like kind of a lot of years but when when the time was on from me I just tried to to do my job in the right way when you were growing up who did you want to be like what players Miguel Cabrera yeah I got Miguel I got Andres Galarraga too um, those guys like Really can hear in this in this in this game. Um, um, the, the way how Mickey played when he was healthy, really healthy. 
I know the last couple of years he been like a lot of injuries, but when he was healthy, was he was a great player. And the most important thing, he enjoyed the game and he respected the game in a good way. When you saw the Tigers last weekend, did you get to talk to him much? Yeah, and for sure. for sure, we was talking. Uh, we was talking. He's the same guy. Yeah, I mean he's he's a great leader, and I mean not for us the Venezuelan guys, it's for everybody. I mean what he can do in this in this game is is unbelievable. So so that's why I got a lot of respect. Your English is so good. When did you start, and how did you quickly? Who helped you adapt? Well, it was in high A. I got a American guy. He was my really good friend over there. So I I tell him. Who's that? Uh, that was Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Haynes, something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the, the last name, but that's the name. So I say, like, I'm going to throw what I got. He say, say something wrong, please let me know. I've been working like that, like, the last, I mean, can say six years. So now I kind of, like, can speak a little bit. You can speak more than a little bit. You have muy bueno. I got a lot of years in, the, in this country, so uh, you got to take advantage of everything. When you are not playing baseball, what do you love to do? Uh, spend time with my little kid. I got a little kid, four years old. He got a lot of energy, so I love to spend time with him and be around my family. That's that's my that's my hobby. My family, um, be beside the, those people, make me make me happy. Do you have a big family back home? Yeah, yeah. My family is kind of a big family. Um, they all together too, so. That's really good for me, um, especially when the the all season is over. I mean, the, the season is over. I fly back home Venezuela, so everybody's there. I just try to connect everybody. Um, we try to do like everything together. How many uh, brothers and sisters? I got two sisters, older than me. Okay. Yeah. So nobody else plays baseball in the Aguilar family mm -hmm. but Jesus. Just me. Yeah, just me. Uh, my little nephew is playing right now. He's 12, 12 or 13. Yeah. He kind of prepared to try to be a pro player. You think he's going to be one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people told me, like, uh, he got a lot of talent, so let's see what happens. How old were you when you thought you could be a major leaguer? Yeah, I know you said you started playing at five, yeah. but how old when you thought uh, this is real? It's like 13, 14. Somebody told me, like, like you can be a good player. So, But that happened like that. That was 2005. Yeah, it was 2005. I signed 2007. So yeah, some somebody told my mom that guy can't hit. So I was like, um, I know, I know, I can hit the little league. But after that, I just moved to an academy. They start to do it like two years before to July, July two. So they prepared me and then they told me like I can be a pro player. And obviously, you've become one. One of the reasons I think the race got you is obviously you can hit, but I think also you've got experience in the playoffs. How much did that experience you does that help you now? Do you think? That's a lot, a lot. I mean, it's a different baseball when you play when you play in the playoff. Uh, last year was a really good experience for me because I never been there before. So it's really good. It's really good. I mean, I say to those guys, when you're there, you're gonna see a real baseball because every detail is important in that game. Um, that hurt too, like, um, that gives you a lot of more confidence, a little more confident. You can do the thing the right way. That's why we're here. That's why we're pushing. That's why we, the, 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 these are in the playoffs. I mean, uh, for me, it was like a, a lot of confidence. 
a lot of confidence and, and was a great experience. Like see 40, 45,000 people support you. I mean, screaming, all that kind of stuff. That was great. Is Are the games now in August, September, are they close? No. Not no, even close not yet. Even close, not even close, not even close. Every detail is really important. I mean, you got like in the, in the first round, it's five games. You got to. Uh, you gotta three, you gotta win three games and then seven four. So like those little details, like like it's like a lot of pressure on. You know? But in the good way, I just saying the good way. Yeah. For, for this group to get to the playoffs, to get to experience that, like you have, what does this group do you think need to do better the rest of the way? Uh, I think nothing. I think we we've been playing really good. I mean, those guys got a lot of talent. They young too, so. Just continue with this, keeping, 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 playing hard, try to do it in the right way when you're out there. Um, I think we got great guys. We got like, a couple of injured, a couple of good pitchers in the, the injured list. So when they buy, we're going to be a, a great team. When this, in a week, you get to see Cleveland again, does it mean much to you to face them or no, not anymore? No, not anymore. I mean, they don't, they don't do nothing bad to me. So I just got to say thank you to them because they made, they made me. I spent like 10 years in that organization, so so I feel glad to be part of the, of the, of the, of the organization. So that don't mean nothing. I just, I just want to play the game. First in 2017 was like kind of nervous a little bit because it was the first time when I really see, when I really faced. But now it's just, just I don't got, I mean, it's nothing big for me. It's just another team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I just got to say thank you today. Um, even I talked to him in 2017 and said thank you. Thank you for everything. I feel really good um, here. Um, and you guys made me like a, like a development player. So I got to say thank you, Dan. Well, we have enjoyed watching you so far. And we hope that there are playoffs to come for this group. Yeah, thank you sure. very much. Sure, for sure. I mean, I know we got a really good team to be in that position. I think we're going to force, we're going to die for. Um, we're going to be all right in the season. Jesus Aguilar joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. We'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Time to take a look at the week gone by, and I guess look ahead a little bit with the rest of Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. I guess if we had uh, Players Weekend jerseys, he'd be wearing just a big O, right? Uh, yeah, the big O, or maybe El Cuban slash O. <laughs> you know, in Spanish, you call it Cubano. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of been my newer one here in, uh, in, in post-playing days. Because big O, really, yeah, that's when you're playing. You know, now I kind of like to go by O. You know, it's nice when people remember the big O thing from uh, my playing days. But just O or Cubano. You know, I like that. Nice. Well, so far things have been nice for the race, generally speaking, um, in this stretch. And they're going to end up more than likely with about two out of three wins in this period of sub-500 clubs. You look, it would have been great if they went 18-3, and three, but when you consider all the injuries, et cetera, to be in a position to win two of every three games is, is pretty good. No, that's massive. There's been some, like, sweeps, you know, of us, you know, not playing well, and then we swept Seattle. There's been some kind of kooky ways that things have happened, but bottom line, if you can get to that point, you've, you've accomplished it. Considering all the injuries, both to pitchers and to everyday players, especially to everyday players, you kind of, you know, you kind of expect the pitching woes, and it's, it's you know been a constant for the Rays for the last several years. But man, we have had a lot of, uh, as I call them, the Ben Zobris type players get get hurt. When we came into the season, I felt very strong that we had a slew of those type of players, you know, and Robertson and Lau, uh, you know, I mean, a mix, you know, Duffy, you name it, you can mix and match them and put them all over the place. 
But, you know, other than Adamas, and I think Guillermo, who's now, you know, been sent down for a minute, everybody in the everyday that started the season in that roster has been on the aisle either once or twice. So it's been some uh, some deal and some accomplishment. It has. You want to touch on Willie's growth? Because I think really he is, he's yep. probably been the most improved position player among the group during the course of the year. No doubt, especially defensively. I know he had a couple of errors there uh, in that crazy play, but the bottom line is he's really worked on his footwork, which is the main kind of deal. His throwing is, is, is fine, especially if his footwork is on point. It kind of takes care of the throwing. So he's got a cannon of an arm. We've seen some, you know, if you remember that play in Seattle, was incredible, uh, the, the Derek Jeter jump throw. Uh, and then, you know, he's just offensively, I mean, he is the poster child of the home away scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, even more so than the Rays, the actual home away skew, uh, because he really has been under 200, you know, with the batting average. He's getting a little better. He did have a, a three-hit game just a few games ago, first one of the season at home. But the bottom line is that's been really weird that he's hit over 300, the homers, the RBIs, the slugging, you name it. On the road, has been, you know, road cooking. One other weird kind of stat that he and Kevin Kiermeyer are both unfortunately dealing with, good and bad. They both are hitting their uh, righties, and, and for example, uh, Willie's hitting righties at a great clip, you know, at around three-something, and then lefties, he's hitting them way under 200, around 160-something. And the same thing with Kevin Kiermaier. He's hitting 330 or so against lefties, fantastic, and around 215 against righties. My reasoning with that is that they kind of tend to have big swings, so when they get that power side they get a lefty and he's righty or Kiermaier gets a, a righty and he's lefty they kind of overswing and they end up kind of pulling off but when they get the righty and the lefty they're kind of keeping their shoulders in and becoming better hitters I wish they would kind of stay the same even with the you know the, uh, the, the the lefties and the righties so we'll see how that develops agreed on that end of the guys they're missing uh because they, and we didn't even mention Joey Wendell you know you got Lau yeah. Wendell Yandy Diaz uh, Duffy's playing now, but he missed so much time. Who do you think they miss the will miss the most of those guys who are injured? If you know of Lau, let's say in Diaz um, down the stretch here mm-hmm. in the final five weeks. You know the interesting thing is that we've replaced both those two names with similar type players. Sons the power and Duffy, but when you think of Yandy Diaz, you know he kind of squares the ball up really hard. And, 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 you know, and kind of hits the ball in the meat of the bat a lot. Well, Duffy does that, and actually he's a little better defender. Uh, though he's kind of struggled a little bit here lately, but you know that he's solid. So I kind of, you know, feel like Duffy's come in and thankfully he's taken over for Yandy's, you know, injury longer than we thought. And then the Brandon Lau scenario, that has to go to Eric Sogard. So, you know, Eric Sogard has become the Brandon Lau slash um, Joey Wendell type player. I mean, he's just been an incredible surprise. Maybe surprise number two. Well, surprise number three, along with you know the emergence of uh, Travis Darno, and then there's Nick Anderson. Yes, uh, all those additions that the Rays have made during the course of the season have done quite well. You know, I look forward to the month of September and expect a very different brand of baseball. You know, we're a week away. Um, but to try and look forward a little bit with his group as they try and hang on to a playoff spot or gain a playoff spot, they're probably going to have to do it in the most unique way possible. Isn't that right? I think so. I think uh, it's going to be, um, how do I put it, opener, you know, times two or three, really. 
because it's going to be a couple of innings here and two innings there and three, you know, trying to get to, speaking of nicknames, you know that I've given Mr. Anderson, you know, the Matrix when we can get to, you know, Anderson uh, being Neo and uh, and Pagan being uh, Morpheus because they've really done a great job, you know, sans a little mishap that, uh, that Pagan had a couple of days ago. But uh, the bottom line is you're trying to get to the eighth and ninth uh, with those hammers, and then you mix and match. Hey, listen, I'm actually excited about a couple of the arms that could come up and help. Uh, Jose De Leon finally pitched again in the big leagues, you know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And he was, you know, some good moments and some shaky moments, but I think this guy could be a sleeper. He throws so many pitches from different velocities and different locations that you're looking for looks that the league, especially the American League, hasn't seen much. And that's where you can be sneaky. And then there's Banda, you know, don't want to put a lot of pressure on the kid because he's probably a little, you know, four weeks maybe behind De Leon, but, man, he, he could be something special, you know, and uh, especially from the left side. So I agree with you. There's going to be a mix and match going on, and uh, we got to do it because we don't have starters. Well, let's hope there's a lot of sun today for the Rays and another win, and we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. You know it, man. Let's keep winning, and uh, let's get that first spot in the wild card. That's Arrestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. You know, one of the strengths lately for the Rays has been the throwing of catchers Mike Sonino and Travis Darno. I asked Major League Field Coordinator Paul Hoover, who works with the catchers, why they've been successful. In general, they've, they've both been awesome. Mike's been here since the beginning of spring training and Travis getting here uh, when we had a couple guys banged up. But to see their growth throughout the season has been, has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. The guys have been putting in a lot of work to maintain and to get better, and, it's, and they're seeing the fruits of their labors as the season progresses. Especially from the throwing standpoint, what has Mike done much better now than, let's say, he was doing uh, early in the year? I mean, Mike's always been a really good defensive catcher. So we, we tried to clean a little bit, a couple things up, but mainly is staying on line to second base. And uh, through the work and through through all the hard work that he's put in, he's able to be more consistent in staying on line. And when he stays on line, he, he's a lot more accurate at second base. And, and we also have some really good infielders that make really good tags. How much has his release, um, his release times, have they improved during the year too? Yeah, his times have always been good. You know, he's always been competitive with his times. At times he has to throw a low 1-8, and he will. But the main thing for, for me coming into the season was just trying to get him to improve his accuracy. Um, his times weren't the issue. It's his accuracy. And right now he's in a good stretch, knock on wood, that he's, he's been pretty much around the bag. When he struggles a little bit, the ball sailed to the right. After the quad injury, did it take him a little bit of time just to get his legs underneath him? Because it seems like the last, especially since the All-Star break, he's been really, really good. Well, I think I think when any, any player coming back from injury, you just want to get him back on the field. You don't really want to spend a lot of work, a lot of work in the cages or on the field doing work. You just want him to be able to play in the game. So we, we got away, when he was hurt, we got away from the work. And as he got back to full strength, then we started to, to, to get the work in again. And how about Travis? Because obviously he also is throwing pretty well too. Yeah, tra- I mean Travis has been great since he's gotten here. You know, he's he got here and nobody knew him. Well, I didn't know him from anything, and um, asked him over, over a little bit of time and getting to know him. Asked him to try some things and do some different things, and he's been great with the work. I, I can't complain or can't 
I, the, the catches we have and the work that they've put in throughout this year has been has been unbelievable, and it's been a lot of fun to work with them. What you mentioned some of the cues from Mike. What are the things that Travis has improved as the year has gone on? Uh, the main thing is getting the ball into his hand in the middle of his body. If he gets the ball into the hand into his hand in the middle of the body, as opposed to getting wrapped up, when he gets wrapped up and the gloves by his right shoulder, then he has to spin out and the ball comes off the side and he'll run. The other thing is kind of getting over his front side. I mean, there's there's little things, but the main thing is getting the ball in the middle of his body and finishing out in front. And how much have you also been pleased? Obviously, for a catcher to have a chance, the pitching staff has to do a good job. It seems like you guys have gotten better, too, at holding runners. I, th- I mean, that's been an emphasis of Kyle, Stan, uh, Q, Cashy, myself, in spring training, telling the guys that we need to do a better job. And we could have the best throwers in the world, but if the pitchers aren't giving them a chance and, and mixing the looks and mixing their times, the catchers aren't going to throw people out. So the combination of pitchers being quick to the plate and giving us a chance, the catchers being accurate, and infielders not being scared of the baseball or scared of the runner to, to stay in there and put a, put a good tag on to get the out is, is a credit to our whole team. And that's Rays Major League Field Coordinator Paul Hoover on the catching core for Tampa Bay. Now coming up, Hudson Valley's Blake Butera on the team's top pick this year, plus a look at the playoff race with Todd Callis of the Astros and MLB.com's Anthony Castrovince. This is This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. This is the radio home of every Tampa Bay Rays game, 95.3 WDAE and AM620. We continue on this week in race baseball. Time to take a look at things on the minor league side. The Rays have five teams right now that are either in the postseason or contending for postseason spots. Among them is Hudson Valley, and joining us is the manager of the Renegades, his second year there, Blake Butera. Blake, thanks very much for a few minutes. Neil, very, uh, very, very happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. You have had a, a pretty good season to this point. What have you liked most overall about the group before we get into some individuals? Oh, the chemistry of these guys is really special. You know, there's always a unique blend of players from extended spring training and the newly drafted guys. Seeing them kind of come together as a group collectively so soon into the season was really, really special and cool to see. And uh, the way these guys compete together and, and play play with each other is, is really fun to watch. From our fan standpoint, I'm sure the thing they ask me most often about is usually the top picks. So let's begin with Greg Jones, who I think DH some and then started to play some shortstop too. What has impressed you most about Greg and his first taste of pro ball? Greg's a special kid. He, you know, he has some really special athletic ability. Obviously, you know, he has elite swings the bat from both sides of the plate. Plays shortstop and, and, and plays a pretty good shortstop for us. He started off the first half of the season DHing, and he was really big force at the top of the lineup, getting on base at a high clip and uh, stealing bases and even hitting for a little bit of power, which is really good to see someone this early in their career um, have a feel for for the swing from both sides of the plate, and he has a really good idea of what he's doing up there. So it's really fun to see how, how advanced he is this early on. And he's not the only infielder who's played very well for you. Day three draft guy, Nick Sogard. Uh, I think most of our fans know his, uh, his cousin, Eric, who has played very well for the race since joining them from Toronto. But what has Nick done in his uh, pro debut that you've liked? Yeah, like I said, Neil, that's a really cool, uh, a really cool moment when, uh, when his cousin Eric was traded uh, in the middle of this season. Nick was really, really excited. It's pretty special to have his cousin playing with our big league team now. But uh, to talk about Nick, he, he's a guy that, you know, he really, really understands the game, uh, really heady player, knows what's going on. He's one of those guys you kind of put out there and you don't really have to worry about them. They'll take care of themselves. And, and 
he has a really good idea of what he's doing at the plate. He's also a switch hitter. He swings the bat well from both sides of the plate and uh, can steal some bases as well. You've got some outfielders who are performing quite well, too, and probably they didn't get a lot of recognition during the course of the draft. Garrett Hyatt is a local product, and Hill Alexander is not, but both of them are excelling. What has each done well? Yeah, those are both two guys that uh, you know went a little bit later in the draft, maybe snuck under the radar a little bit. They've really announced their presence already here in Hudson Valley this year early on. They're both playing really hard, and they've been a, you know, an everyday players for us, and they were both on the all-star team this year in the 10 league, and uh, they've both done a really outstanding job. Garrett plays an outstanding center field um, and gives us a good at-bat from the left-handed side. He's a plus runner that steals a lot of bases, and Hill Alexander's uh, hit pretty much in the middle of the order all year for us, and has done a really nice job in right field. Uh, on the pitching staff, I, you know, I looked at last year's roster, and I was just curious. Joe Ryan and Paul Campbell were two guys on your roster, and I think most Rays fans know the kind of year that they've had. Do you look at this group and say, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these guys finish the year next season in Double A? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, the work ethic that these guys have as a group uh, is something special that's going to carry them along, uh, carry them a long way throughout their careers, um, just by the way they get after it every day. Yeah, I mean, we have, we, have, we have a bunch of guys that I'm really excited to see where they end up in the next year, two, three, four years from now. Um, and like you said, you know, we have a kid, Joe Ryan, who was just here last year, and now he's in Montgomery, um, throwing the ball really well for them. So that's a really nice, cool uh, message to send with our, to our, uh, our group of players that, hey, this kid was here last year, and now look where he is. You know, even though you're in, you know, short season A, you're really not that far away. Certainly. And let's touch on some of those pitchers. Edison Gonzalez is a, um, a kid who's come from the Latin American program. How has he improved this year? He's, you know, every time out, he's been better and better. And it's been really fun to watch him um, grow. He's only 19 years old. He came in the first, his first two outings were a little, you know, they weren't great. Um, I think he kind of had to, he lacked a little bit of confidence his first two starts. Maybe not sure if he should be here or not, a younger guy. Then all of a sudden, you know, the next outing was great. And he's just built off of there. And he's, he's um, gained a lot of confidence and trust in his stuff. And he's just letting it work. What's the stuff like? Fastball's mid-90s. Uh, you know, he was up to 95 this year, uh, which has been, you know, higher and higher every time out. Uh, he has a really good breaking pitch, and he can throw a nice straight change up that, uh, you know, keeps hitters off balance. You've got another player um, from the Rays uh, Latin American program excelling, too, on the mound, Rodolfo Sanchez. How is he maybe different than Edison? He's a smaller guy, but like Edison, really electric stuff. Rodolfo has a really fast arm. Uh, he was up to 95, 96 with us this year, too, and he's been, you know, sitting 93, 94 every outing. He's another guy that you know, the more experience he gets, the, the better he's going to get, and he's going to be really exciting. He's raw, has really good stuff, electric, powerful arm. At the trading deadline, the Rays acquired a pitcher uh, in Jacob Lopez for Joe McCarthy from the Giants. Uh, how has he looked in his few starts with the club? He's looked great. You know, he's a left-handed pitcher, bigger body. He's a younger kid also, but he has a really good feel for what he's doing um, for being his age. He knows how to pitch. He can throw any pitch in any count for a strike. Um, he kind of mixes up his delivery and slows it up, speeds it up, he messes with timing for the hitters. So just seeing how advanced he is and how much of a feel he has for pitching, 
this early on is, is really impressive. Chatting with Blake Butera, manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades. And before we touch on this year's draft class from a pitching standpoint, Davion Whittle was a guy who was drafted last year who seems to be performing quite well for you in Hudson Valley this season. He's done a really nice job. I know last year he was limited with his innings uh, with an injury. So we weren't really sure uh, you know, what we were going to get from him in, 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 a, in a longer season. And he has exceeded expectations big time. Uh, just pitches with a ton of confidence. Low to mid-90s with his fastball, and then he throws a good breaking pitch and a really good changeup as well. He's another guy that has a ton of confidence and knows what he's doing and likes to compete and get after it. And then you've got a group of guys who were drafted this year, and I'm sure there are innings limits on them, so it may be harder to judge in some cases, but I've got a group of guys, Ben Brecht, John Doxakis, Evan McKendry, and then uh, Cole, uh, Joe LaSorsa, who was an all-star, and Colby White. Of those of that group, how, how have they looked? And maybe of that group, who kind of has really excelled in your mind? Yeah, I mean, all those guys you just named, they're going to be uh, really exciting to follow for our Rays fans and staff and everybody in the organization just to see kind of where they're going to go. It's a really uh, special group that we drafted this year. Um, and like you said, they have innings restrictions on them right now because they threw a lot in college and did well in college, which is what we kind of want. John Doxakis from, uh, from Texas A&M, he's a left-handed pitcher that knows how to pitch. He's low 90s with his fastball, has a good uh, slider, and really has a good feel for all of his pitches and knows how to pitch. He's going to be really special. Uh, ben Brecht is a bigger body, six foot seven left-handed pitcher who just gets on top of hitters uh, with, with good stuff. Colby White, right-handed pitcher from Mississippi State, Live arm, really good fastball, uh, 95-96. Joe LaSource, the same thing. He was a left-handed pitcher, a little bit later picked than those first three guys I mentioned, but he made the all-star team for us this year. He has like a one ERA, uh, works quick, low 90s with his fastball with good arm size movement, and uh, he gets after guys. He's a competitor, and he's a bulldog on the mound. He's fun to watch compete. McKendrick has also done a nice job for us. He was the Friday night guy from Miami this year. That's a guy that is going to be really intriguing to follow along. Right-handed pitcher that knows how to pitch. Kind of like Lopez, but from the right side, can throw any pitch and any count for a strike. Moves the ball around really well. I know I keep saying it, but he has a really good feel for what he's doing. Well, it sounds like you got a good group there, Blake. We wish you a lot of luck down the stretch here. Hopefully we're talking to you after the regular season about making the playoffs once again. And that's Hudson Valley manager Blake Butera. The Renegades Bowling Green and Durham are in playoff races. Montgomery and Charlotte already have clinched postseason spots. Let's turn back to the Major League side. Joining me to discuss the Rays, next opponent is a friend and longtime part of the Rays broadcast on the TV side. Now the television voice of the Astros, Todd Callis, now joins us. TK, thanks for coming on. Hey, Neil, anytime. How you doing? Good. You guys have had, uh, I think, probably as expected. We haven't seen you since the opening series of the season, but to see this team atop the West and, and vying for home field in the playoffs probably doesn't come as a big surprise, does it? Not really, especially when you consider, you know, they added a couple of pieces of the trade deadline. So uh, this is the most talented team I've been around, including the 2017 world champions. It's, a, it's one through seven, to me, the best lineup in baseball. I know, you know, the Yankees have scored some runs, the Twins have scored some runs. Red Sox to scored to runs, but I'll, I'll take the Astros one through seven over anybody when they're healthy. The team is just rolling right now. When you have the trio that the Rays are going to see Tuesday through Thursday of Verlander, Cole, and Greinke, uh, that bodes well for the postseason. 
no question. I'm curious your take. You mentioned them being more talented than that 17 group. The trades for Granke plus everybody else at the deadline this year, how does it compare the feel in the clubhouse to when they added Verlander in August of 17? Little different, but similar. Uh, they added more pieces this time around. And when they added Verlander, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion uh, that you know they were going to win the West. It was just a matter of getting ready for the postseason. And their, their rotation that year had suffered a lot of injuries. And there were guys that they weren't sure if they were going to be able to count on in the postseason. So to add an eighth, in Verlander was just like, what a shot in the arm that was for the 17th season. Now it's just coming after Hurricane Harvey, and there was a lot going on there at that point of the, of the year for the Astros. This year, they've already had, they already knew going into the postseason that they had their one-two set at Verlander and Cole. So what piece they added, whether it was going to be somebody from the Mets, whether it was going to be a Syndergaard or DeGrom or a Robbie Ray, you know, Greinke wasn't on a lot of the radars for people talking about who might get traded. Uh, but they knew they probably were going to add a starter, but it wasn't going to be their, their guy that was going to go in the first game of the playoffs. So a little different feel, but you add a veteran like Greinke, and uh, that certainly boosts the morale. How much is there, because I think a lot of people believe the Astros will eventually close out the West, but how, much, how important is it for them to beat the Yankees out for home field? I think it's important. I don't think it's critical. And the reason I say that, even though the two teams, that when they matched up in 2017, the home team won all seven games in the ALCS, is I really like the Astros matchup every day, all day, against whoever the Yankees are going to throw out there. So even if you take me on a road series, one and two, and I've got Verlander and Cole, and you name your two starters for the Yankees, i got to think it's advantage for the Astros. Yes, home field advantage is important. Absolutely. Is it critical? Um, maybe not as much as in 17 when the Astros didn't have this group in the rotation. And, and it's a good point. The only reason I ask that is because you look at the Astros' home record, they've lost, what, one home series all season. Um, so they've been probably more dominant at home this year than any other. Yeah, that's a weird thing, too, because in 17, they were they lost only one game in the postseason, yet in the regular season, they were much better on the road than at home. So, you know, sometimes the regular season, you can't tell, but this the team plays well at home this year, but the last two years, they haven't played well at home. They went into Yankee Stadium, and they weren't playing very well then when they lost three out of four to the Yankees this year in the regular season. They just come off a three-game sweep in Cincinnati. Uh, so timing can be important, too, of when you play the series. But going back to what I said earlier, you know, I'll take my chances with – if it lines up the way the Astros want to, and it is the Yankees and the ALCS, games one and two would be Verlander Cole. Games six and seven, if they are in New York, would be – Cole and Granky. I'll take my chances with those four. Timing certainly is everything, and you mentioned that. Let's get to timing on health. Uh, the Astros are missing some pieces. How much does it hurt to not have Correa in the lineup? And Ryan Presley, how much does that change the Astros' bullpen in games against the race this coming week? Both are big pieces. Correa coming off uh, the fractured rib was great. He was hitting balls as hard as anybody on the team. He hit one out in Baltimore as the Rays wrap up their series there, he hit one out in Baltimore that's the longest home run in the history of that stadium. Huh. Um, he was playing great shortstop. He was the best I've seen him defensively was last year, and he's been even better this year. So he's a big piece of the puzzle. He did a great job in that sixth spot, too, kind of protecting Jordan Alvarez. Jordan's numbers, it may just be coincidental because it's hard to maintain what Jordan did his first 30, 45 games, but his numbers lately without Correa in the lineup haven't been quite as good. Uh, the other guy, Brian Presley, uh, he's, the, he's the stud in the, in the eighth inning for the Astros. And without him, now they're mixing a match in a Will Harris, a Hector Rondon. We've just seen uh, Roberto Osuna pitch five games in six days, which is something A.J. Hinch did not plan on doing, but just kind of 
forced his hand with all these close teams recently. So, yeah, Presley's a guy that needs to be healthy for the postseason. Uh, the back end of the bullpen revolves around Presley in the eighth and a soon in the ninth. So two key pieces missing, and the other guy that's missing is kind of their super utility guy, Aladdin Diaz. He'll probably be back if his rehab goes well this weekend. He's finishing off his rehab Sunday. He'll probably be back for the race series, and he's a guy that can fill in a shortstop for Correa. Yeah, we've seen a lot of him both with the Astros to start this year and with the uh, Blue Jays before that. You mentioned Alvarez. This could have been a matchup kind of for rookie of the year, Alvarez and Brandon Lau. Since we haven't seen Jordan, how good has he been, and why has he been so special? He has an incredible idea of the strike zone. So he never leaves the zone, and he's a big man. He's 6'5", probably 225, 230. And he's always on balance with his swing. He's never a guy that's going to chase. He's never a guy that looks uncomfortable with any swing. And he's got incredible power. Uh, he was putting up big numbers at the minor league level, 23 home runs and 71 RBIs before he was called up. And that's continued. I believe he's second on the team, or second in the major leagues in home runs amongst rookies and second in the major leagues in RBIs. And this is a guy that's only played, you know, less than 60 games so far in the season. So he... To me, he's the odds-on favorite to win the American League Rookie of the Year, and I'm not just saying that bias working with the Astros. I say that really looking at it objectively. Uh, his OPS, his batting average, his slugging percentage, his on-base percentage really trumps the field. He's been certainly impressive, um, and hopefully the Rays can uh, find a way to keep him in check. Your your take in terms of Oakland, because you've seen them. Obviously, the Rays are fighting with this wild card with them. What has made them so impressive lately? What's made them so impressive, the Astros just lost three out of four without Stephen Piscotty hitting and without Chris Davis hitting. Those were the two guys that killed Houston last year. The thing to me that's most impressive is last year when they won 97 games, they did so primarily because Blake Trinan and Lou Trevino were closing games out. Trinan had the ninth and Trevino had the eighth. And this year, those guys have been nowhere close to where they were last year. Things have been a little better lately for them. But it's been a team that's been able to figure it out. Matt Chapman is a legitimate superstar. He's one of the best players that people don't know about. Uh, Since Matt Olson has been back from his injury, the A's have played much better. Even when they lose a guy like Ramon Laureano, all of a sudden a Chad Pinder goes out there in center field and gets the job done, or a Mark Canna goes out in center field and gets the job done. They just figure out a way. More than any other team that I can think of, I I know the, the Rays have dealt with a lot of injuries, but it seems like the A's year in and year out struggle in April and May and then all of a sudden they, they turn the corner and get their mojo, and they're one of the best second-half teams in baseball every year. It's remarkable to watch. TK, good stuff. Uh, ha- uh, good luck uh, the rest of the way, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see you in the postseason. That would be the best-case scenario. I am cheering big time for the Rays to get into the playoffs, and I would love to see the Rays in the playoffs at some point against the Astros. And that is Todd Callis, voice of the Houston Astros on television. Let's continue looking at the playoff picture a little bit more with the guy who covers the game for MLB.com and MLB Network. That is Anthony Castrovince. Anthony, good to speak with you. Absolutely, Neil. Thanks for having me, man. Obviously, the Rays are you know, in this hunt for a wild card spot with Cleveland, with Oakland, and the Rays are going to take on uh, Houston, a team that's leading the West, and then Cleveland later on this week. What's your take on the Indians right now and – um, are they, are, are they in your mind, a team that's going to catch the Twins or going to end up vying for one of those wild-card spots? Well, I mean, they've caught the Twins in the last few weeks, and they, I feel like they can catch them again. It's just they were dealt a tough blow with the Corey Kluber news last week where uh, you know, he had the oblique issue in mm-hmm. what was probably going to be his last rehab start, and that changes the math a little bit in their rotation. Not that they can't piece it together. They've pieced it together, together all year without Corey Kluber, but uh, with some young arms that they've been relying on, Aaron Savali and, and Zach Plesak, you know, you just wonder about regression from those guys in the home stretch, uh, pitching deeper in the season than they ever had before, and monitoring their innings. So, 
Um, so yeah, they were really hoping to get Corey Kluber back, and as of now, you know, he, he remains on the shelf, and uh, they're, they're still hoping he can get enough innings under his belt to uh, to potentially help them, you know, in that home in that final week or whatever of the season. So but that's a long-winded way of saying yeah, that that's that's a, a major issue for them right now. But overall, yeah, they have the complexion of a team that can hang with the Twins. They they played them tough in Minnesota a couple weeks back, and they still have uh, two series against each other uh, the first two weekends of September. And that Cleveland ball club that you mentioned, you you mentioned the hit with Kluber. But they could get, I guess, a plus if Carlos Carrasco is able to help in any way, yeah. uh, more than likely out of the bullpen. Yeah, it will be out of the bullpen if he's able to come back. And yeah, he's had a great progression so far. Uh, for those who don't know, he's, he's battling leukemia and he's had treatments. Uh, he was diagnosed in early June. You know, he's, he's been away from the major league stage ever since. But he was able to start throwing in the last few weeks. And then he was able to progress into some minor league rehab games. And that's the plan is for him to continue to pitch in those games this week. You know, before long, yeah, he, he could be a bullpen option for them. And that would be a, a really nice weapon to have. It's too late in the season for him to get stretched out fully as a starter. But um, Carrasco has, has long had great stuff. And I think he's kind of excited about the, the possibility of the bullpen, too, just kind of airing it out a little bit. And obviously, beyond role, he's just... Mm-hmm. He's just thrilled to be back and, and pitching because it was uh, a really you know, a crushing blow when, when he was dealt that diagnosis and you start wondering, is my career in jeopardy? For him to get to this stage this quickly is, is really a testament to his doctors and to him. Uh, obviously a very diffi- uh, different situation in terms of his comeback effort, but is there any chance we'll see Danny Salazar in a Cleveland uniform again? I doubt it. He's actually uh, closer to the Rays than the Indians because that's where he's rehabbing is in Tampa. So, so that tells you a lot right there. He's not rehabbing with the team. He's not even rehabbing at the team's uh, spring training facility in Arizona. I think they've, you know, they've had a lot of fits and starts. Danny Salazar the last few years, a lot of injury issues. That, yeah, quite frankly, there's there's things they've wanted him to kind of push through that he hasn't really been willing to push through. And and then they thought maybe he was finally in a good place. He had a minor uh, shoulder clean out. Uh, I shouldn't say minor. I mean, no no uh, mm-hmm. surgery is minor, but. As you, it, it, not compare, it wasn't a labrum tear or anything like that. He had a clean out in the shoulder. And, um, he made it back from that and was showing pretty good progression in the minor leagues. And they called him up for a start, you know, right around the trade deadline. And he lasted four innings and complained of a groin issue. And he just wasn't really airing it out on the mound. He was he was sitting in the mid 80s. So so I, I think I think that run is over. To be honest, yeah, they spent about ten million dollars the last two years trying to get Danny Salazar right and only got four innings to show for it. Unfortunate, because obviously when healthy, he was pretty special or had yeah, the ability yeah. to be pretty special. As you look at the, the the Indians, Anthony, what would you say is the biggest question mark coming down the stretch? Is it the, the, the starting pitchers, the young starting pitchers who could regress? Or, you know, you looked at that Mets series, and they really had a tough time scoring runs despite the additions to the lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know... I'm probably too close to the scent because I could come up with questions all over the place. You know, the, yeah, the lineup hasn't quite gelled uh, the way they hoped coming out of the trade deadline with two big bats and, and Fran Mel Reyes and Yasiel Puig. You know, Reyes has, has kind of struggled in his time with the Indians so far. And then yeah, I mentioned the rotation earlier, but the biggest question might be in the bullpen. You know, Brad Hand has had some struggles of late. You know, he, he's having a fantastic season up to that point. But the bullpen was kind of one of those big surprises in baseball this year where they've mm-hmm. had one of the best relief ERAs all season, and that was not something that anybody expected going into the year. Um, but anytime there's a big surprise like that, you just wonder, okay, is this water going to find its level here? And maybe it started to with, with Brad Hand uh, in the last couple of weeks with a few blown saves. Or it just could be a blip on the radar, but, you know, the stuff wasn't quite the same. He's obviously a, a big, big piece for them where you're trying to uh, nail down a playoff spot. On the flip side, you know, Jake Odorizzi has had some hiccups. Martin Perez, maybe who knows mm-hmm. how many more innings he has. Michael Pineda, same yeah. thing. I mean, what would be the biggest concern on the other side? The Twins would have to fall a lot to fall out of the playoffs, but it's still not unrealistic. Right. 
No, it's not. I mean, it's, those are good ball clubs. You know, the Rays are really good. The A's are very good. But, yeah, I, I, the Twins had a, a great momentum in the first half of the season, and they, they saw what happens sometimes with, with teams that haven't been there and done that. They got a lot of young guys who haven't really, you know, been in the thick of a, a race of that magnitude, a division race. It kind of came out of nowhere two years ago to, to steal a wild card spot. But, you know, this is a different animal when you, especially when you're playing out from in front, as far in front as they were at one point, 11 and a half games in early June. So, um, so yeah, they buckled a little bit, and they had some regression in their pitching staff. I would say that's still, you know, the number one question for them. It has been all season because they were pitching out of their minds the first two months of the year. They were probably, you know, over their skis from that standpoint. And so that that regressed a little bit, and, and you do wonder how that rotation is going to hold up. Because that was one thing. One thing I definitely thought the Twins had an advantage over the Indians at the trade deadline was just the ability to be aggressive and flexible. You know, because the Indians were in a tough spot where they pretty much had to trade from the major league team. You know, trading Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm improve the lineup whereas the twins you know they have strong farm system i just thought they'd go out and make an aggressive move on their pitching staff and they really didn't do that you know they got sergio romo and they got sam dyson but they didn't make a, a huge splash in either the relief or the starting market so that, that's the biggest question is how does the pitching staff hold up how would you handicap it right now obviously houston new york are the teams that everyone is says are the yeah. favorites in the american league but how do you see the rest of it shaking out yeah, I mean, I, I think Houston's the best team in the American League, um, especially with that starting staff and, and what that. And you know, it's it's a different ball game in October, and it's become more bullpen oriented. But they probably have less bullpen questions than even some of the other uh, AL contenders. So, um, so I, I think they're the clear number one, and the Yankees are probably the clear number two for me. And I'm I'm just very curious to see how the rest of the second order falls. As, as everybody else is, I do think the Twins have an advantage in the AL Central. For one, they're you know they're playing in front right now, but also just their, their schedule is, is pretty light down the stretch, and, and that would be a fun team in October, man. That lineup is so much fun to watch. They actually have the highest slugging percentage of all time, and we hmm. know there's environmental factors there with the ball and whatnot, but that's still, I mean, that's just jaw dropping that they're up there with the 2003 Red Sox and the 27 Yankees, the Minnesota Twins. Who saw that coming? Thank you very much, Anthony. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Dale. Thank you. That is Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com and MLB Network, and we certainly appreciate he joining us on the program today, along with all of our other guests. Jesus Aguilar, of course, very new to the Rays, or Estrada of Fox Sports Sun, the Hudson Valley manager, Blake Butera, as well as MLB field coordinator, works with the catchers, Paul Hoover, and also Todd Callis, the voice on TV of the Houston Astros, and obviously a longtime part of the Rays. Hey, see a Rays Labor Day matinee at the ballpark a week from Monday, September 2nd, when they play the Orioles. Labor Day will be a senior special game featuring $15 tickets for fans 60 years of age and older. For tickets, go to RaysBaseball.com slash specials. Next week, Colin Poche and a whole lot more. Thanks to producer Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. It's the Rays and Orioles. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash 
the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 